I'm Joe Devine, and welcome to Whiteboard Football Extra. In this series of short podcasts, we'll be talking to the writers of our videos, taking a more in-depth look at the topics they choose to discuss. We'll also be engaging with user comments, so if after watching a video you have follow-up questions, we have an opportunity to answer them. Underrated or overrated, depending on who you speak to. Raheem Sterling certainly splits opinion, but the stats show that he's currently enjoying his best season in terms of attacking output. I'm joined by Alex Stewart to talk about his resurgence under Pep Guardiola, his international hopes, and the swathe of potentially unfair negative criticism levelled against him. Alex, in the video you say that Raheem Sterling should be considered as one of England's key players particularly given his revival of sorts under Pep Guardiola. But how much of Sterling's improvement is down to how he's handled, uh, tactically or otherwise, by Guardiola? And do England need to consider his strengths in this regard to get the best out of him? And further to that, is he key enough for Gareth Southgate to bend England's tactical approach to suit him? I think in response to the first point, uh, it's worth noting that Guardiola's used... Sterling in eight different positions uh, in both the Premier League and the Champions League. So he's played him everywhere from as a wing back to a centre forward. I think in that regard, how he's handled tactically by Guardiola is a testament to the fact that Guardiola trusts him to fulfil a variety of different roles. This is a manager who's clearly experimenting with his setup at Man City who has a a philosophy of playing, which we've talked about before, this um, positional play, creating overloads between the lines and in particularly the half spaces. And in Sterling, he clearly feels he has a player that he can deploy in a variety of different positions to augment that flexibility and to develop uh, effectively in, in whatever position he wants him to play in but adherent to that philosophy. So I think what it says is that Guardiola trusts Sterling to play in a variety of different roles, which I would suggest shows that he feels Sterling's quite an intelligent player. This We know Guardiola values uh, players with footballing intelligence, which is why he cited Philippe Lahm as probably the best player that he's ever managed. Um, do England need to consider his strengths? Yes, Absolutely. Um, his strengths, I would suggest, quite obviously include pace and dribbling, but that astute positional sense that Guardiola is developing is certainly something that England need to, to take into consideration when they're setting up. Um, is he key enough for Southgate? I I don't know if, if Sterling is yet the sort of player that you build a whole approach around. Um I think if you look at who England have got in positions of real strength, personally speaking, I would be looking to build a team around a kind of Spurs spine of Harry Kane, Deli Alley, and Eric Dyer, and then working out how Sterling fits in around that. But I think based on what I've said just now, Sterling is the sort of player that you can do that with. You have a core group that you look at and say, this this is the spine of the side, this is where we need to create a team around. And Sterling is exactly the sort of player who would appear, based on how Guardiola's using him, 
to be an ideal candidate for fitting in around those core players. In the 2013-14 season, Liverpool finished second and scored 101 goals, whilst in the 2014-15 season, the club finished sixth and scored only 52. So given this, you know in the video that Sterling's output in that second season, having a hand in 30% of those 52 goals, was all the more impressive given the context. One of the claims that is often levelled against him, however, is that he excels when there are better players around him. Um, and that he, you know, when he isn't the opposition's main focus, he performs better. Is that a fair assessment? And if it were, would it be a concern in an England team that is generally less talented than his club side? I think the first point to say there is that criticisms of Sterling are not necessarily based on what's actually being seen and what's actually happening in terms of how he plays, um, which I, I think is a point that we'll we'll address later on a bit. Um, I don't know that he does excel when there are better players around him. Um, I think that when he's given a certain degree of license, when he's given the responsibility of leading the team, uh, and that second season at Liverpool, his kind of breakthrough season, you know, everyone was talking about him. Everyone was bigging up Sterling. There was a lot of... Um, talk about where he might go, all of that contract stuff, Liverpool were desperate to hold on to him. Uh, it seems to me that he played better with that with that kind of pressure, with that encouraging uh, pressure of what can this kid achieve? Um, and he was still very young at that time. He's still very young now. Um, I think in terms of when the opposition focus on him, uh, any player is going to have a difficult time if they are... Uh, you know, sort of man marked out of the game. But Sterling is exactly the sort of player who it's hard to combat in that way unless you're, you know, looking at doubling up against him because his his pace and his dribbling are such key assets. You could compare him to someone like Wilfried Zaha in that respect. Um, that actually part of what he does is to draw a defensive position out of shape or draw fouls. And so in a way the opposition really seeking to counter him specifically is actually playing into his hands and actually playing into the the, the style that, that suits him. Um, is the England team less talented than Man City? I don't know that it necessarily is. I think, I think Man City are a side who are very much in transition. And I think one of the issues that Guardiola's faced is that he, he has found a, a squad of players that aren't actually suited to his style. Um, I mean, people are already talking about how Aguero maybe needs to be technically more adept to play the sort of striker role that, that Guardiola wants. Certainly, the fullbacks are not up to scratch. Arguably, with, with Stones and Otamendi, you've got a centre-half who's developing into a world-class player and somebody rather workmanlike alongside him. Um, and I would say that that of Man City's players... You know, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, and and Sterling are the ones that that really are the kind of players that Guardiola wants to hold on to. There's a lot of really talented, um, particularly young um, playing staff coming through in the England side, and and I think that actually suits Sterling very very well and gives Southgate the opportunity to to create a team of that sort of young, vibrant, attacking style, which Sterling would fit pretty seamlessly into. In terms of his overall attacking output, goals and assists, 
the current season has been Sterling's best. How can that be explained um, beyond experience and confidence? And what might Guardiola be doing to enable that? I think that's a really tricky question, uh, largely because we can really only speculate about the sort of stuff that Guardiola's doing almost on a psychological level. Um, if you remember when we talked about Julian Nagelsmann, that sense of management being a lot to do with social competence rather than tactics. And it seems to me that Sterling's the sort of player who probably would benefit from a, a quite a considered approach in that regard, uh, coaxing uh, good play, good matches out of him and making him feel valued and making him feel that he fits into what's happening there and that he's part of the future uh, of Man City. You know, I think a lot of players in that dressing room will be aware that Guardiola will be wielding a broom rather assertively come the summer. Um, and if Sterling's one of the players who's been given assurances, that will help him. So confidence, I guess, comes from that to an extent. Experience absolutely will come from that. I think probably Guardiola's training um, benefits attacking players. You know, he's he's coached players who like to start out wide and then drift in with a license to create before people like Messi, people like Robin, and Sterling can can look at Guardiola and go, okay, this is a guy who's managed to get the best out of world class players, and that's only going to benefit me. So my assumption, without knowing with any degree of certainty what's going on behind the scenes at City is is a kind of combination of those things that the training methods would be particularly beneficial to a player of Sterling's style, that Sterling feels like he's valued um, and that he's working with a coach who can get the best out of him in a club that's probably moving in the right direction. And that can only be a beneficial thing for his overall game. Before we go to some user comments, um, this is a, is a question on a bit of a broader note, and you've touched on it already. Um, many of the comments responding to the video regarding Sterling were actually quite negative. Um, why do you think this is, and why, why is he so often treated with hostility in this way? I think there are probably two reasons for that. The first is that there's still a sort of a degree of lingering anger around the, the transfer that occurred from Liverpool to City. Um, I think that the, the fires of that were very much stoked by the media and the media have also been quick, consistently quick, to inveigle their way into what Sterling's doing in his private life. There have been a, a, a plethora of what I would say are frankly stupid stories about, you know, he shops in Poundland one minute and he's buying a massive house the next minute. And and it, there does seem to be a lot of focus on him outside of his football, which I find rather bizarre. I think the second point is that England performed disappointingly at Euro 2016. And while no one, I would say really, with the exception of Eric Dyer consistently and Marcus Rashford in spurts, performed well uh, Sterling came under particular scrutiny, probably in part because of the media stoking that. Um, and generally speaking, I think there was a lack of penetration and a lack of cohesion up front. They didn't seem to be attacking with any particular game plan. And, and Sterling was to an extent exposed in that regard. So I think there's a, a general perception that he's wasteful, maybe selfish, 
maybe uh, not a particularly intelligent footballer, all of which I think categorically is unfair. Uh, and I think a lot of that is to do with, with perception rather than actuality. This is, of course, an interesting point more generally on stats, which is that, that actually one of the ways that stats are useful in football is that you can highlight things that people believe to be true but actually are not, in fact, true. Um, that you can kind of challenge a narrative using using data um, and you can challenge not necessarily what a person's seeing, but more what a person is remembering or perceiving based on what they're seeing. Uh, we all read football in, in different ways, obviously, uh, and the way that we recall what's happened in matches uh, changes. But I, I do think that stats are a way of, of saying, OK, you know, you have a perception of a particular player maybe based on personality, maybe based on what you read, maybe based on a game. And actually what you need to do is consider the broader context, um, which I think you know we've shown in the video that actually here is a talented player who is getting better. Um, Sterling said in a recent interview with The Guardian that people just didn't like his face, <laughs> which you know I think is that, that speaks to me of somebody who feels like they're constantly under pressure and constantly under the microscope. And if uh, maybe the press left him alone a little bit, um, we'd see an even better player. Yeah, I think this is a good time to point out as well, um, as a lot of the comments that we received for the video, uh, those that were negative, were some some of which were slightly confused as to even why we were making the video. Um, or I think some of them uh, kind of operated under the assumption that because we'd made a video about this player, that we must be saying he's the best player uh, in the world, you know, and that's not necessarily the case. I think, you know, listening to what you've just said there, Alex, that this is a very good player, uh, and he, you know, here's here's a series of data to show that he's getting better. I think that's the point to take from this, and that for future videos, whether they are about individuals or teams or you know particular stories. The fact that we're making them doesn't necessarily speak to the inherent quality of that person or team. So that's just something to point out at this point. Um, I'm going to take it to some user comments now. Again, uh, not to be too down on them, but there weren't too many that we can uh, engage with. So here's a couple. Um, Ned Lightowlers points out that Sterling's price was inflated due to the fact that he's English, which I think is worth mentioning. Um and is therefore not ideal with which to judge him as a player, which is probably quite fair. And CM Miz 101 calls him the best English dribbler, which is uh, one of the positive comments, Alex. Yes, um, I, I've not looked at the overall data for him in terms of dribbling compared with other players, but he's certainly he's certainly technically very capable. Whether he's matching some of the other players in the Premier League or not, I, I can't actually speak to because I'd need to check the data. Here's one you might be able to talk about. Wixie on PS4 Pro says, in a team that dominates possession and chances in most games, he should be far more effective. His conversion rate of good chances to goals scored is horrendous, and this doesn't show up in the stats that you display. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. Firstly, um, what is a good chance? How do you quantify a good chance? Um, and I know, you know, obviously you can use things like XG, um, which we've not brought into videos uh, yet to to talk about that. But I think, again, a, a good chance is quite a subjective measure. Um, 
in actual terms of his uh, shot conversion rate, um, the Premier League average for shot conversion at the moment is uh, 10.65%. Uh, that includes shots that are blocked, um, which is exactly what you'd expect. The, the mean shot conversion goal for teams and players is between 9 and 10%, so it's maybe slightly above average. Uh, Sterling himself is clocking in at 11.32% shot conversion currently. So he's actually exceeding the mean um, and he's doing pretty well, I would say, given that he's not a striker um, and given that, you know, a number of his chances are sort of from from cutting in quite wide, that he's not he's not exceeding massively what we'd expect, but he is a little bit better to that than that. So I think that's a good example of where there's a perception that he squanders chances, that he keeps messing things up. But actually, the numbers show quite clearly that he's operating at a level that's above average. Okay, finally, um, this is the first podcast that we've recorded discussing a video from our By the Numbers series. And I thought I'd give you um, the opportunity now to talk a little bit about where where we might be going with this in the future. So stats and and football is obviously a developing area. Um, There's been quite a vibrant stats and analytics community online largely through blogging um either people who do it professionally and put some of their content out or people who are doing it in a kind of amateur way and i don't mean that pejoratively i mean doing it for their own interest and amusement um that's probably been going for a good few years now um and what we're trying to do with by the numbers is take the the two main data sets which i'll explain in a second and explain them in a way that that we hope is understandable to audiences who are not necessarily specialists in stats or in uh, analytics. Now, the two main types of data would be match metrics and trend data. So you might be looking, say, with the Sterling video, what we're talking about is goals, we're talking about assists, we're talking about chance creation. And those are all discrete events that occur within a match and you can use to look at what a player's doing, where they're doing it, how they're doing it, how often, and how that fits into what the overall team pattern is. Trend data, which you'll see with the 400 Club video that we've released, is more of an overview and perhaps more the sort of thing that is of interest to a historian, perhaps, rather than somebody who's a statistician, but also does give an indication of for example, in the 400 video, how many players can actually sustain that length of career in the Premier League, what the sort of average expectations for a really good player are in terms of the numbers of goals and assists they're creating, that kind of thing. So what we've tried to do with with By the Numbers is to blend the two and to find things of interest to people who maybe are dubious about the use of stats in football Um, who maybe don't understand why it's a window into what's happening Um, and also to to serve the interests of those who are already on board the stats bus but are looking for information which is in some instances not publicly available or quite difficult to get to grips with in the form that it's presented elsewhere. Um, I guess from that perspective we're always looking for, for audience feedback in terms of how we're doing, in terms of the way that we're presenting information as much as the information itself. 
So I would welcome, you know, anybody who's interested to get in touch and say, can we have more of this, less of that? Could you maybe do it this way or that way? Because I think, you know, at UMAX, we're very much trying to respond to what our readers and our viewers want. Um, and this is particularly an area where guidance is always welcome. Okay, thanks very much, Alex. Thanks, Joe.